with ChatGPT coming onto the market, we're going to see that come into industry over the next few years. Well, there'll be a massive investment in people trying to work out how you can take that output and say for sure whether it's a human or whether it's ChatGPT. I think the digitisation of the NHS records have been something that's been in the media for a long time. I've recently had experience of information was written down in hospital and also put onto a system, but not the same information that was written down was on the system, which resulted in unforeseen circumstances. We're not talking ridiculously crazy infrastructure, are we? We're talking good Wi-Fi around a building. It's just mad that we don't have that in 2023. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're joined by Rich Fishburne, the Head of Technical Consultancy at Spectrum Digital. Please do us a favour, if you like the series, then do share it, do subscribe, do follow. We do appreciate all of your help. And with all that said, welcome to Tomorrow's Workplace Today. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Rich Fishburne. Thank you for having me. Uh, so we all obviously know and love you well, but do you want for, for listeners, watchers, do you want to introduce yourself who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm head of technical consulting, which means that basically I start to talk to new prospects about what it is they do at the moment to try and uncover maybe some pain points with their processes, whatever that be, kind of transactional processes or um, people-based processes with a view to delivering kind of tailored demonstrations that might um, be able to, to show how some of our automation tool set might be able to help them address some of those pain points very good let's be honest you're the you're the brains of the bunch aren't you really and i include myself in that one of the brains vaguely i, I guess we don't come into that <laughs> i think that might you, be those two you were nodding but yeah yeah no it's, it's great to have you on rich wishfully good to be here thinking um and i want to i want to start the conversation around uh, a picture i saw on twitter the other day okay so there's a tweet by merrin somerset webb um, who we need to get on the podcast at some point. Or but anyway, she, she tweeted a picture of a, a doctor lying on the floor surrounded by forms. And the, the kind of caption was that these are all the forms that a nurse has to fill in for every admission into hospital. And the, the commentary around it was that they have to spend about 70% of their time doing paperwork. And I just I just thought that's, that's scary and, and interesting. Um, and it just got me thinking... Why are we in that situation? And when when what we do is automation, why in twenty twenty three is it now? Why are we in the, yeah. the position where the NHS are, I've got that much paperwork and that much bureaucracy, and I wanted to just throw that over to the room and get your thoughts, people. Oh, tread carefully. <laughs> yeah, tread carefully. One easy answer to that. Are we looking for? Uh, well, I just wanted your your, your thoughts, really. So, I, I guess I'll start with: is it is it a surprise? We've probably all had experience with the NHS um, over the years. Is that is that a surprise or not? I think the digitisation of the NHS records has been something that's been in the media for a long time, hasn't it? The success or 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 not of that mm. that whole process. So I suppose it it makes sense that there must something must be feeding that mountain of paperwork, doesn't it? So is it surprised that the doctors fill in lots of forms? Probably not. Hmm. But the thing is, it's a bit like the the tiers of management you have in NHS. I mean, you know, we've got so many tiers within the NHS of people making a decision that goes to the next tier to go, yeah, I'll rubber stamp that, but I'll just pass it up the line. And then <clears throat> inherently we've now got it, or it's evolved into this beast that are medical professionals that we want to be treating people, are basically having to fill in all those forms. I've seen the picture and I mean... 
it's ridiculous. It looks about ten foot long if you you know the way they spread it out. So, mm. <clears throat> so I suppose some of that must be around legislation as well, wouldn't it? So it's got to be kind of protective of the doctors, probably because well, there's a claim, there's a claim. Yeah, but is that any different from any other industry that work in where people need to have traceability and auditability of records and information to make sure that they follow the process? I don't think it is, and yet most businesses that we speak to are not filling out. I don't know how many forms there are on that picture, but. 2025 yeah. forms on a daily basis or are they well some somebody's thought that that's a good thing to do to be able to you know show some evidence of some decision making process haven't they they've got to fill in this form either because there's got to be exchange of information to somebody else or there's got to be evidence of something haven't they mm. but a piece of paper is the worst possible form of doing that isn't it i mean it's lost it's you've got mm. handwriting um you know it's not accessible because it's only in one place so you're not really fixing any of the problems that you've got with it by introducing a paper form are you? What the notorious doctor's handwriting? I mean, that, exactly. that travels well. <clears throat> I'll, I'll I'll come in. I've recently had sort of knowledge slash experience of where information was written down in in hospital and also put onto a system, but not the same information that was written down was on the same on the system, which you know re- resulted in you know unforeseen you know sort of circumstances if you will but for me i i think it's probably the age-old argument the nhs is such a behemoth Hmm. it's a cost thing ultimately and it's it's not necessarily the the total cost because obviously over time the the efficiencies etc would be you know would pay back you know 10 times 100 times probably it's more around they haven't got the money to pay nurses a proper wage they haven't got money to you know get up-to-date equipment keep the um buildings up to up to you know spec so actually changing from good old pen and paper is probably not even on the to-do list let alone in the thought process i would guess it's interesting you say that because i think there's been another big push was and and you're right kind of the infrastructure that's in place will drive some of these decisions so there was another big push to use digital pens which meant you could have a paper-based form still which has kind of got an id built into the form background so the pen when the doctor's writing knows which form it's using and knows which field it's filling in and then the pen can be docked and it can send information back to say no this is the digital copy of that form and it can turn the doctor's handwriting <laughs> into uh, into digital text as well but more importantly it can co- capture that digital form as that person's writing and that kind of got around some of those infrastructure problems because you didn't really need a tablet that might be expensive to give to hundreds of people you didn't need an active wi-fi connection because you can just go and stick your pen in the dock at the end mm. of the process that's connected via ethernet to your network or whatever else so it's going to be progressive isn't it different solutions are going to be right at different points in time yeah. as the nhs um, improves its infrastructure and gets better Wi-Fi and all those sorts of things, you might find more of a tablet-based solution rather than a, a digital we're not, pen. We're not talking ridiculously crazy infrastructure, are we? We're talking good Wi-Fi around a building, which it just seems mad that we don't have that. Maybe, maybe we do, but if that is the blocker to this, it seems mad that we don't have that in 2023. They're separated it out into different trusts and they can all manage their own different budgets. Because I know, again, if you look on Canon's website, they've got hospital up in, in I think it's St. James in Newcastle or whatever, they're using the document management system that we sell there for and they're using it for patient records and bits and pieces. 
you end up with a hodgepodge of different systems. It's a bit like having a global um, business, I guess, and, and picking one ERP or one sort of um, suite of products to sort of link everything together. But it seems to be so siloed. Mm. But it's not just in one hospital. It's kind of like each department within a hospital. Because yeah. I remember taking my granddad, and because he had a pacemaker and he had diabetes, every time we went to different departments, he had to repeat himself, and he was getting really annoyed. Just even just the basic logic, he was thinking, well, hang on, I've just told that damn guy that why am I having to tell you the same thing? And mm. again, things get missed. That siloed sort of uh, issue is just always the same. I'd go as far as, you're right. <clears throat> I um, So I have to go every four or five weeks. Um, I've got a ear ailment, so I have to go to ENT. Um, last week, I got three letters in two envelopes for the same appointment. So uh, printed, obviously. So I'm thinking, one, just ask me my email address and you can email it to me. Surely that's A, more efficient and B, definitely cost effective. And then it's the whole, you know, you, you look at um, uh, my mum uh, went in, she's got arthritis in one of her hips and uh, they went, right, um, we need to do an x-ray. My mum went, well, I've done an x-ray. Is it not on my records? And they were like, no, no. Um, so... Well, oh, actually, she she actually paid to have it done. So, but there's no joined up between you know NHS and and private. Right, so right. there was an X-ray. My mum, being old, had forgotten about it. So guess what? The NHS are now they have to X-ray her, and it's like with just a bit more joined up thinking, mm-hmm. we could be we could get so much more out of <clears throat> however much the NHS costs. What was it three hundred fifty million a week? Is it? Do they say or Something whatever like it is? I think for me though, like you mentioned, other industries. You look at financial services and the, the whole digital transformation piece. There, when anything is linked to money, oh, they can still bring it all together. I know they've still got a bit to go, but like for example, you can get apps now that open banking you can link to all your other different cards the fact that you can go on a credit report and everybody knows but what mm-hmm. you've been doing it's like well hang on if you can do it for just your basic credit report or just to apply for a credit card or whatever why isn't there some sort of central service for all your different health there should be just one record and we mentioned it before i think when jack, jack was on the yeah. thing he was talking about that's a good use case for obviously blockchain and things like that you could have your own record that everybody has you can give with permission you give people access to and things like that but well, I think that's got to be the right approach, having one central record and then having some local choice about how you feed that record. You know, we want to use digital pens before because we're in an ancient building that's mm. got massive stone walls, hasn't got Wi-Fi, so True. it makes sense for us. <coughs> Actually, we want to use tablets because there's only two people in our department and we yeah. can share one tablet, but it's all feeding the same kind of um, central system so that people get choice. But I guess it is the size of the investment and you know what government wants to make that investment on the basis that that government is probably not going to get the benefit of it, it's going to be the next government that gets the benefit of it, potentially. But it's we've got to do something, surely, as a, as a nation. Hi, guys. Just jumping in, I want to talk about one of the services we offer, which is Robotic Process Automation, also known as RPA. That is software that replicates human behavior. So if you've got people downloading spreadsheets, attaching them to emails, going on portals, downloading information, moving data around, all that stuff is perfect 
for a robot. So if that's interesting, get in touch. Let's have a chat. Let's see if we can help. Enough from me. Back to the conversation. I think it's been talked about, isn't it? For the, I think that there were the set all sorts of different agendas to be paperless by a certain particular time, and like you say, different governments they just keep moving mm. it on. They change the the agenda to something else. They seem to have fixed the central thing now. I think I've, I've got the NHS app and can see all of my past appointments and all yeah. my records and everything else. Can't I? Don't think you can see documents on it yet, can you? But that's still they still kind of come through the post, as it were. Yeah. But it seems to have a central record at least, depending mm. on whether I've been to the hospital or been to my GP or whatever else is a or had blood tests at the, at the hospital there's always a record of it on that app so all right let, let's move away from that before i get myself in trouble in terms of politics or something <laughs> but um, let, let's move more towards business rich so um obviously you spend a lot of your time out speaking to business owners or directors of organizations um a lot of those people are looking to automate those businesses um and i guess for watchers, listeners that are probably in that situation where they've got an organisation that they're looking to improve in terms of efficiency and automate, what what would the advice be that you would give them? So I think it's, if you're looking for kind of the low-hanging fruit, first things to go for, I think it's anything that's transactional. And, and generally, we break those two things down into kind of document-centric transactional processes. So anything where there is you know, a document of some description coming into the business, usually driving a process, and it's coming in transactionally in volume, then that's one of the first places to look. And then likewise, any process that's transactional in its nature. So if you're a large company that employs lots of new employees on a seasonal basis or um, has employees come and go just by the nature of what you do, then that's a transactional process. Isn't necessarily a document driving that. There's a person at the heart of that, but the onboarding process is a process that needs kind of looking at refining and automating because that tends to be an area where there's lots of information flowing and lots of manual kind of work being done. So transactional document heavy processes, transactional people have all every process what examples of documents when you talk about kind of structured documents transactional documents what sort of thing should business owners be looking for yeah so if you look into finance departments um, for instance the um, the one that a lot of people talk about nowadays is um, invoice processing so it's the accounts accounts payable process Uh, so you've got purchase invoices coming in Typically, um, that process is actually driven by what happens at the front end. The invoice is almost the last bit of that process. People like to talk about invoice processing, but Mm. you've got to start focusing really on what you're doing at point of order rather than point of invoicing. So they want to see efficiencies in the accounts payable team. Uh, You know, the purchase ledger clerk doesn't want to spend all their time checking documents, typing information in, but the ordering team, the purchasing team need to have done their job properly or in the right way Um, and then and be empowered to do that job in the right way have the right tools and everything else for that process at the back end to work correctly so that's one transactional process it could be on the sales ledger so if you're an organization that tends to stock lots of small uh, has high volume turnover but small value sales they tend to be the ones where um, you're getting a lot of customer orders coming in um, and typically they're still arriving you know on a pdf or in the body of an email or as an Excel document. Um, and there's a lot of effort um, that's, that takes place to to validate that and get it into the system and get it starting to be picked, packed and delivered. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when you when you think about it, <clears throat> the uh, a, a lot of companies do focus on that P2P, the purchase to pay process, which is actually looking to make it more efficient to pay suppliers. Mm. And it, I've always been not 
baffled, but it's it's always I found it slightly amusing that people haven't focused on how quickly can we can we get an order, process the order, get it out and invoice it, and then we get paid quicker. Mm-hmm. And and it, I've always found that why people don't tend to lead with how can I get my my order processed quickly to get me paid quick quicker. Mm-hmm. And then there's also that that spin off of the of the fact of um, actually. Uh, free someone up maybe in AP in you know um to to chase credit you know to to get that money back in it's always there, there's a lot of focus on oh, I just need to to sort my suppliers out and I'm thinking what about yourself yeah but the suppliers are important aren't they because yeah, you can't you can't get a product That's out the true. door if you haven't got it in stock kind of thing and I, I think people see that not paying suppliers is going to enter them being on stop and is going to affect their supply chain in such a in such a way and there's there's financial benefits usually isn't there especially yeah. in that kind of high transactional high sure. volume type way you can um you know negotiate discounts for early payments and those sorts of things so i think it's been a bit more of and the tech's been there as well to be fair to drive that process i guess e- e-commerce has been automating that process for many many years actually yeah people driving people to the website instead of yeah they've either done edi or they've done e-commerce and then the bits in the middle telephone or emails like you say that system generated sort of pdfs although when you speak to a lot of manufacturers they're still sending out a lot of pdf orders out of their erp systems aren't they so there's still someone at the other end printing that off and obviously processing it as an order so I think it depends on whether it's retail or business as well. So, you know, if you've got retail customers, you've got consumers coming in and buying from a website, then, you know, they're getting more used to going onto websites like mm. Amazon or whatever and ordering goods from it. So they can, you know, they're willing to take that effort to go on and look for something and put it into a form and, and you know, and, and start that transaction off. Whereas businesses seem to be a bit more, they're already entering that order into their ERP system, aren't they? So that's their data entry. They just want to press a button and have their order appear with their supplier, don't they? Mm. They don't want to then go and put it onto the supplier's portal, as it were. So the emphasis really sits with the supplier then rather than, you know, a consumer that's entering the order in, I suppose. And that's why it's taken a bit longer maybe for EDI platforms and those sorts of things to have an impact Mm. on businesses. We've been talking about accounts payable for a long time and I've been saying it's quite a mature market for a long time and yet we still, every day, every week, we're still getting asked about accounts payable automation. So where do you think that is? Is it, have most businesses now automated that process or is there still a majority of organisations out there doing, using paper and people to, to manage that? I think we still very rarely come across people that have already got a solution in place for, mm. for accounts payable. Um, they might have done elements of it um, or they might have done it in a, you know, quite an old school way. Um, but very few people are, are starting to kind of fully automate the end-to-end process. And I think it's because you've got some people where that process will be very simple um, you've got some people where that process is much more complex. Mm. It still it surprises me. I've been kind of talking AP for 15 odd years now, and I'm still learning almost week to week. You know, you, you go in and you talk to somebody and they do something slightly different to what you've what you've heard of previously. And so um, being able to react to that difference in people's processes and say, well, um, you know, for whatever way you can you can um, you know you can meet that challenge of that particular process, I think it's really important. I think mm. we're finding more and more complex processes as we go along now, um, people with more and more kind of niche edge cases. What sort um, of thing? So it could be kind of um, so sorts of things that we're coming across at the moment are what's well, been interesting because um, the market volatility um, with pricing has driven um, 
surcharges. I think we've been yeah. finding a lot of recently, guys. And so that's, you know, put pressure on um, people like myself to come up with solutions to how you can deal with surcharges um, on a document. So, you know, steel getting delivered um, when you bought, buy that raw material and that comes into the business, um, it's probably going to be charged at a different price to what you put the order on. Um, so it's it's those sorts of market changes which drive change within the process um, mm-hmm. and, and things that you have to react to. It's not just, you know, AP won't ever be a stagnant thing. Yeah. So if we if we kind of park accounts payable and, and sales order processing for a while, what are the other emerging trends around automation that we're seeing in the market? I mean, you, you guys as well, you speak to customers on a daily basis. What, what are you seeing? Well, for me, it, 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 you know, um, Rich and I worked on something recently and it, it was to do with, it, they're a manufacturer and it was to do with back flushing. I had to go and look it up. I, I <laughs> had no idea what they were going on about. Um, but actually, the you know, they were brilliant because the the amount of detail they'd gone down to, you know, it worked out, roughly speaking, they were spending 1,450 hours a year entering information back into their system mm. and that supervisors doing that. So that means they're not on the production line overseeing what's going on because they're having to update the systems. And, you know, we've been talking about potentially, you know, a little spectro bot or something like that, being able to take that pain away and, and actually release, um, uh, those supervisors to to keep manning the the lines. So it, it's a bit like with AP and I'm not taking the conversation back to AP, but it's, it's a bit like, niche things now mm. you know and, and i think that on the ap side of things we are now getting to the point because it is quite a established sort of solution if you like yeah that the ones that haven't done it yet are the ones that have got you know a, a niche requirement that makes it you know a bit more complex and then the off-the-shelf um solutions can't help uh, and that's where we come in with the the likes of Rich's um, expertise. Um, but yeah, it, for me, it's it's those sort of weird and wonderful where people are actually starting to you know because it's hard to recruit. Mm. There is a trend in some of our pods around recruitment and and how tough it is. It's around um, actually if we can take some of the boring stuff. Let's go back to the NHS side of things. I'm sure a nurse would rather be looking after a number of patients, making sure they're all all right, than filling in copious amounts of forms. Mm, and yeah. it's the same in the commercial sector, where because it is hard to um, get, you know, keep staff or, or get staff. Actually, we can, if we can make your life a bit a bit more enjoyable and a bit more fulfilling by getting a bot or some other technology to do that, then it, it's got to be worthwhile. We do, we do. I think it's that that niche bit that you, you mentioned yeah. as well. It can be a niche back office system or a yes. legacy back office system that drives some of this. So as much as we talk about transactional processes and everything else, some, sometimes what stops people from automating is, well, at the end of the process, you know, I need to enter the order or enter the invoice or do the back pushing process. Um, and we can't do that because our legacy system doesn't have you know, an import, a file import or an API or whatever else. And, and so a lot of our conversations nowadays are people that maybe have tried to automate and other suppliers haven't been able to help them because they've got that legacy infrastructure or that legacy application. That's where, you know, bots start to play a role, doesn't it? Because, you know, if somebody can do the process manually by logging into a piece of software or a browser and pressing buttons, then a bot should be able to do that as well in most cases. And that kind of fixes that puzzle bit. 
Agreed. And nobody wants to replatform their ERP, do they? It's just the worst project in the world. And so people put it off for as long as they possibly can. And that's where RPA can fill that gap. Yeah, especially when they've got customizations yeah. and all those sorts of and other um, applications that they may be doing something with and reporting and you know people have moved away from having standardized systems in some respect haven't they so yeah. whereas the rpa can respect that okay me again just jumping in to talk about one of the processes that we often get asked to automate which is the processing of supplier invoices also known as accounts payable automation so what does that mean well most businesses receive invoices from their suppliers and a lot of businesses still have people that are manually reviewing those invoices making sure that they're correct making sure they're accurate and then manually reeking them into a finance system and already or an erp system well, our solution can automate that process. So typically an invoice will come in, we'll use capture technology to understand what's on that invoice. We'll then match that data up against good receive note to make sure that we've received the product. We'll match it up against purchase order data to make sure that somebody has placed an order for that product. And ultimately, if we can match that up, we can automatically push that into an ERP system or finance system and nobody has to touch it. How good does that sound? If there are exceptions, if there are things that need to be checked, that's fine. We can use digital workflow to push that to somebody to eyeball it and say, is this correct or does something need to change? Ultimately, though, that can then be pushed again into an ERP system or a finance system. This is about making your life easier. It's about making operations as quick and as efficient as possible. And we do that all the time. If that sounds interesting, then get in touch. That's enough from me. Back to the podcast. All right. When you speak to a business, they do. There are often these kind of idiosyncratic little processes. I've been, pra- I've been practicing that one for a while. <laughs> uh, that are real specific to them or their industry. I'm just thinking of the one around... Um, Kind of vaping oils, I don't know if we can talk too much about it, but going on and having to well, you can explain what they're to do. Yeah, so you know, so they basically um are a testing company, a certification company um for uh vape oils, <clears throat> and, and ultimately what they have to do is they get sent products from all sorts of different you know uh, vape oil manufacturers, and then they have to it goes to a laboratory, they have to do the tests, and then there's all sorts of information. I was surprised that the levels of information shouldn't be really, I guess, because there's a health health concern to, the, to those things. But, you know, some of these vape oils can have a hundred ingredients. Mm. And, and then, you know, you have to enter all those ingredients onto government and EU portals. You have to substantiate that they're all healthy, you know, the levels, et cetera, et cetera. And that particular company were drowning, it's fair to say, in the levels of... of um, information required but also the time it was taking to get it onto these portals mm. and it's not like you know government portals are running like uber efficiently as we touched on right at the start so there's there's delays and you know the, the dreaded whirring circle that just goes round and round and round and then when you're trying to get something uploaded and you've got tens hundreds of certifications to do in a, a day a week um you know that can be you know particularly time consuming so we put um we put a bot in there and we've halved the time it's taken we've halved the backlog in about four to six weeks mm-hmm. um Amazing. and they're now really positive in that actually they what was holding them back from growing the business was that they couldn't cope with what they had yeah. so now actually as they've named it spectro the bot is doing that hard graft and actually they're now happy to go out and start looking for additional new business because they know that it can handle it and it can work 24-7 yeah. happy days. Well, you were talking about employees and engagement, weren't you? Somebody yeah. was previously sitting watching that circle go round. Yeah, yeah. And so you wouldn't want to do it, would you? You'd put it off to the last possible moment. And that's why the backlog um, you know, emerges and everything else. So 
people shouldn't be sat there doing those tasks, should they? No, agreed. So, Neil, what about you? What else are you same, kind of seeing in the market? Same thing, really. I, I've won my first RPA sort of project this week, actually. And um, it was interesting. We tried to solve it with a workflow tool previously, but actually the bot became a better fit because of the multiple different handoffs of data. So the company for speed, they're still using Excel to actually collate a lot of the inquiry information. And because of mm-hmm. the products that they sell, there's quite a lot of data to sort of pull out. But then again, per sale, it was a case of there was having to input that data. And again, they had zero as an accounting software, which is quite um, sort of modern, I guess, cloud-based and got APIs and whatnot. But again, not everything could link with it. So, yeah. um, and then they had a manufacturing sort of MRP sort of product that would do all the scheduling and, and other bits and pieces. But again, it was all those different handoffs. You'd have to have multiple things with multiple sort of uh, connectors, whereas the bot can actually yeah, move data around where it needs to go and a lot more efficiently. So but like you said, instead of just starting from scratch and obviously getting a brand new ERP or trying to find a system that's bespoke or, or whatever that does everything, these bots seem to be doing that handoff, that sort of data entry piece, which speeds up process massively. So it's, because mm-hmm. um, otherwise as a business grows, it, well, which they did in the last couple of years, they had to increase headcount. So they had two or three people in an admin role that was literally doing those sort of pieces and shuffling information. Yeah, they, um, they would have found it difficult as well, wouldn't they? Because they had a very bespoke piece of um, manufacturing software that was running their kind of operation back of house, as it were. So as Steve said, you wouldn't want to re- have to replace that, trying to find something that could replace that when they it's been written in-house specifically for them. It's going to be very difficult, isn't it? Yes. Um, and we know that bespoke software is good to a point, but you don't want to just keep on throwing stuff at it, do you? Mm. Kind of creating new modules. Yeah. You want services that sit around it, microservices that sit around it, that can feed it, that are very good at, you know, best at breed of what they do um, to yeah. enable it to work That's best. We're, we're experiencing, well, I'm experiencing that at the minute because I'm looking at professional services, automation software for us as an organisation. That Ideally, that will manage everything that we do in one place. But mm-hmm. to find a tool that does, that operates the way that we operate or close enough for to go, yeah, let's take that off the shelf and let's use it. It's just not possible. And we end up with, you know, Jira for managing workload and another product for CRM and best of breed, as you say, because that's what we need in order to make us work. Mm. And it, RPA can fill the gaps between those kind of best of breed products. And and I think with the, the RPA piece is, you know, it, it increases your, you know, your office output exponentially then we'll say that actually i was, I was worried Just about getting that some good words yeah, in yeah. Today. <laughs> well because if you think about it 24 7 it, it can operate and actually on, on top of that let's say you've got half a dozen processes you, you could split that into four hours on each process every day and it will just keep working away mm-hmm. and and i think that's that's the beauty of it that you know we're coming to sort of we're getting customers to to see and value is that actually it's not just one particular process it could be well that's my main one at the moment but i know these are these are nagging away and actually down the line let's look at adding that process onto it and you only really technically if 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 it works and everything doesn't have to be done at the same time you could just have a bot that does four you know four five six processes Four hours of a process, jobs are good. And I was talking to someone at the weekend and they were saying one of the large sort of construction, one of the largest construction uh, civils companies um, have told them that they have a certain window when they can, when the invoices need to be received. And I can only imagine that's because a bot is on the AP uh, process between X and Y, get your invoices in. And if it's slightly out, 
it gets rejected because probably the bot's thinking, well, I wasn't expecting it to be formatted like that and bounces it back. Please re, you know, re- resupply. And it's, you know, the, the, I think that's to right. do some more of those edge cases that probably don't have a financial return on their own in some cases, yes. doesn't it? So you've got this main process that you're using your bot for, but the bot's got some downtime. So what do you fill it with? Um, so those processes you might not have, you know, had a return for, exactly. but now because, um, you know, it, 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 yeah pulling them together. Yeah. I think it comes back to as well, in terms of technology, there's always that curve that early adopters and obviously big blue chips have been using this technology for a while. Yes, okay, the technology is getting better and better, but then as the price point comes down, it becomes more accessible for small to medium businesses and all of a sudden the adoption obviously grows a lot quicker. And then people start, see, once they get their head in in that sort of mode, they start spotting bottlenecks within the business. They, They very quickly see... And obviously, like you say with AP, it's, it's a case of you get put on stop if it's orders. It's like, yeah, I ain't fulfilled that order. So you, you very quickly get people shouting at you from both angles, but you, whether it be credit control, whether it be uh, even from HR, like we said, onboarding process. But um, really that adoption piece for me, it's, it's, it's hitting that point, that price point in the market where people are going, well, hang on. So I can pay a member of staff that, or I can get a bot to work 24-7 for that. Well, mm. why? So, and again, especially for businesses that are wanting to scale, or people that are wanting to sell the business, if they can get it out of people's heads and trying to systemize and automate certain processes, then it makes it easier to exit as well. I've had a few of those customers recently as well. Mm. There's a great, I think it's Gartner phrase, There's they call it the trough of disillusionment, I think, which is where you get new technology when... It really hypes up and everyone goes mad about it, blockchain or whatever. And then it kind of crashes because actually it's the wrong price point or we've not really found the use cases to actually get true value out of that technology. And it falls into the trough of disillusionment. And then over time, it picks back up again and starts to take off. And I think we've seen that with RPA. I feel like AI with the with ChatGPT coming onto the market in the last few couple of months, I feel like that's coming out of its trough, as, trough of disillusionment and actually... We're going to see really that come into industry over the next few years, far more than it has. They've done very clever the way that they've they've done that with ChatGPT because they made it free, didn't they? Yeah. And then they had the fastest level of subscribers out of all of the sort of whether it be Facebook, whether it be Twitter, or Instagram, or whatever. It was like within a week or five days they got a million subscribers. So, but from then a tech valuation point of view, all mm. of a sudden it's gone through the roof. But then it's the people that are gonna create the i suppose the front ends and have that in the back end that are going to be the the winners i guess is how yeah. do you how do you take that and make it easy link it together because again i mean don't get me wrong there's been loads of applications in the last couple of weeks that have that, like zapier for example oh you can now connect it to other things and all of a sudden it's like right okay and this is going to take off in loads of different areas. I think if you've got something like that, that anybody can ask a question of in any way, shape or form and get some kind of response back mm. for it, drives that, that ability to be able to scale it into an adoption like that really quickly, doesn't it? They're already talking about the next version of it being even more intelligent, mm. which is crazy. Yeah, I think this is version four, I think, the one that's available online mm. at the minute. But yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think it's just going to completely take off now. It's particularly with Microsoft getting involved in the in terms of the investment. Well, the skill sets, I watched one guy who was talking about the skill sets of the future, if you like, is is how to leverage 
this technology. It's more about how to actually ask it questions in a way yeah. that it's going to yeah. elicit the information. Back but, that yeah, people, be people spoke about that about Google, didn't they? It's yeah, like Google, course, yeah. Google Kung Fu. Like, how do you use Google to the best to get the best results from it? So it's it's no different really to that, is it? Do you think it'll have an impact? Just thinking on what you, what you both said there on, um, you know, because I didn't go to university, but. You know, now potentially students could just talk to a ch- chat GPT and go, you know, do write me a thesis on whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it is. I think the schools are already talking about it. How do they either stop people using it or probably more work together with the technology as opposed to stop people but using I think, the technology? I think there is actually, well, again, there's always ways around it, but there, there's certain AI that can tell whether it's been written by AI, mm. if you see what I mean. So that, but then I've seen one guy get way around it he asked GPT write him something he then put it into another tool like Grammarly redid the words and then outputted something else and then tried to put it back through the test and it fooled it it got to like well this is 98% certain it was a human <laughs> and it was like wow okay well I've used two AI tools and I've written a massive well there'll be massive investment in people trying to work out how you can uh, how you can do that in essence it won't there how you can take that output and say for sure whether it's a human or whether it's chat GPT so I worry yeah. my oh. son will be doing that yeah. <laughs> but you got the students of today are going to have that technology at their fingertips so it's not for me it's not a case of how do you stop them using it because they're going to be able to use it in the future it's more yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do they harness how do it to the it? best yeah. effect yeah and that's what schools should it, be encouraging because the thing they said the same argument about a calculator oh that's cheating you've got a calculator yeah. then it's a case of okay it's a tool to be used how do we then Design the tests so yeah. you can. You're not going to have a calculator in your pocket every day. That was yeah. the famous yeah, saying, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Now you do. Now you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Got the full internet. Haven't we? What What other <laughs> technologies are we are we seeing? Do we expect to take off over the next few years in terms of the automation market? Um, so I think we've talked about kind of structural documents in terms of the NHS forms. We've talked about semi-structural documents in terms of invoices and orders and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I think the, there's been a big push recently to take our unstructured data. That's the next big challenge. And that's why ChatGPT in some respects works, doesn't it? Because it's using an unstructured command to give you unstructured content back out. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are various projects on the go to be able to for instance data mine emails coming in so can you understand who's sending you an email what the subject is who should be involved how you kind of categorize it all those sorts of things Mm. because you know just as you've got a traditional mailroom where um, posters (coughs) to come in and be distributed out people's inboxes are now that digital mailroom aren't they Mm. and you've got inquiries coming into businesses all the time that uh, maybe are an order in an email or maybe are a complaint or maybe are whatever else um part of the process that still even though it's unstructured it still needs some action taken so understanding unstructured data would probably be the the next big challenge and there is you know the systems that have been around for a while um kind of mailroom systems classification systems that you can kind of feed unstructured data and they they'll start to understand the common kind of common themes and they'll use language interpretation to understand you know what the subject is and all those sorts of things so that mainly so it can be um, classified and sent to the right departments or the right downstream process, as it were. That'll be the next big thing. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, like we just said about the the calculator analogy and things like that, chat GPT and similar softwares are going to be a massive aid going forward for personal use and business use. But just as we're still going to need great news for us humans, we're still going to need like humans ultimately, because the thing that's 
proper winding me up at the moment is you buy something, it's faulty, you can never speak to someone, you, you go down a myriad of hmm. bases as to what your complaint is. It's this, press one, it's that, press two, or whatever. And then at the end of it, you still don't get to speak to someone. It's like, go onto our website. Brilliant. Thanks. I've just, I've wasted 10 minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back. And then like, yeah, uh, over the weekend, uh, we bought a, a, a table and there was some damage. Uh, and my wife came back to me after like 25 minutes going, do you know what? I have no idea how I'm going to talk to someone in customer services to get this. There's nothing on the website. There's nothing in the documentation. And that I think businesses and maybe the larger organizations just to be mindful that, you know what, totally get the whole efficiency thing because, you know, after all, that's one of the things we do is offer, you know, um, solutions for efficiencies. But it's like you still need that ability to be able to talk to someone or communicate with someone so that you can get a quick resolution rather than actually, you know, there's only so far a bot or a chat GPT, um, you know, module or whatever can go before it's like, do you know what? Yeah, I don't really know that. Yeah, well, that's what automation is usually about, though, isn't it? It's usually, you know, taking the 100 documents and automating the 80 and leaving the 20, as it were. I don't so, like being so, the 20, though, Rich. You don't like being the 20? No, I don't want to be in the 20. <laughs> well... As long as there's somebody so there to talk to, even if you are in the 20, then you're okay, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, if you can identify the 20 without actually somebody having to look through the 100 and you can um, work out who the person is to deal with that 20 and and give them a task and say, go off and do it, then the job's done, isn't it? At least yeah. you haven't looked at the 100 mm. and you've automated the, the 80, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You're still going to need humans to make decisions. It's being presented with the, the question almost, isn't it? Um, what what action do we need to take because there is an exception? And actually on that, that's a really good point because on, on that, actually what you want is when you are one of the 20, even though I don't want to be, but when you are one of the 20, you want enough information so that when the, you do speak to someone, they go, do you know what? No problems at all. Uh, do this or do that. Whereas at the moment you get, you've done, you've gone through all of that. You've answered all the questions and then they go, right. So can you tell me what's the problem? <laughs> Are you joking me? I've just yeah. spent 10 minutes doing that. I mean, that's just that's just poor automation. I, I, I do think that 80%, we always talk about the Pareto principle, 80-20, don't we? But I think that 80% as automation matures will increase and increase and increase and it will become 85%, 15 and 90-10 and I think check my maths. Aut- automation, definitely. But it's also looking at the reasons why. So earlier on when we said, you know, focus on invoice processing, but actually it's the order management that needs to be done. Mm. It's good data in, isn't it? And good mm. data out. Yeah. So usually in auto- on auto- any automation project doesn't have to be AP. As long as you've got the right data feeding that process throughout, then you're going to get less less exceptions. Yeah, it'd be yeah. quite interesting that if, if you could overlay a bit of AI on that and, and literally do some mining before you implemented it and said, right, based on X, Y, Z of the, these orders that we've looked at, we know that these percentage or these are the ones that are saying that, yeah, this wouldn't work or whatever. It kind of does a bit of analysis before it even even goes ahead. Or- so we're, we're doing that, aren't we? On, on re- recent projects, we're looking at supplier data, we're looking at order data, we're advising early in terms of if you improve this data now, then when we've implemented your automation solution, actually the results you get will be better than if you had it today. I yeah, some, sometimes you don't need to look at the data per se, either it's just by talking to the people that are at the coalface processing yeah, yeah. You know, those transactions, they'll tell you what their which, headaches which are and the problems that they're having. And then usually from that, you can say, well, that'll be because of X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. You know, and that, and and quite often that's a downstream process, something that happens before it gets to them that needs a bit of tightening up. 
All right. Um, last question. Um, I always ask everybody this question, Rich, and mm-hmm. I, I never give them a warning. So um, tomorrow's workplace today is the name of the podcast. So cash your mind forward. How long do I ask? 10 years? You do yeah. Know. Cash your mind forward 10 years. What does the workplace of 2033 look like? Describe that to me. Well, it's going to be interesting. I think that's going to be driven by the types of people that are going to be working in it. So you can already see younger generation coming through that are um, more used to having information at their fingertips, more used to using search capabilities rather than going into a filing cabinet and know where something is. So it's going to be driven by what people want from their daily work, isn't it? So I think that... You know, search capability, information at my fingertips, quick, rapid responses, um, rather than spending lots of time entering information in and doing admin tasks, which people seem to be happier with doing previously. They want to be doing something that's a bit more fulfilling, um, that's, that's you know, using their brain, as it were, rather than just pure kind of repetitive tasks. Um, and so with that's our challenge, isn't it? What, what, How do we make it the technology that we've got fit that requirement so that we can keep people engaged in the work that they um, they need to do? Good stuff. On that note, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Richard Spurn. Brilliant. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me.